Welcome to Red Letter Disciple, a podcast that's going to challenge and inspire you wherever you are to grow in your faith, to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Wouldn't that be cool if we could all grow? How much amazing things would happen in this world if we could be a fuller, greater, truer expression of Jesus? And I believe that today's show is going to help you do that. So I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Chris Johnson, in just a couple of minutes. And we're going to be joined by Myron Pierce. Get ready. I mean, hold on to your seats if you're sitting down. Like, we got an incredible story today from Myron who was changed by God while he was serving a 200-year-long prison sentence. How, how did he get into that situation? And how did he get out of it? How did God meet him? How, how did Myron legitimately start like pastoring and running small groups in prison? And what he learned from that, that now he's out there leading leaders, pastoring his own church, church writing books, starting businesses. So it's going to be a really fun conversation with Myron today. Today's episode is sponsored by Red Letter Living. Uh, we create resources at this company that challenge people to grow as disciples wherever they are. And so, yeah, this podcast, that's one of those resources. Uh, but we have others. And if you're looking at a church, if you're a church leader or pastor, and you're looking for a resource that's going to help your people become greater disciples, and one that's going to like grow your small groups by 40% or more, and it's going to bring unity to your church in a divided time. That's what our 40-day church-wide challenges have done for more than 800 churches so far. So you can find out more and request any free 40-day challenge you want. We have Red Letter Challenge, which is how to follow Jesus. Being Challenge, which is how do I grow my relationship with Jesus. And Forgiving Challenge, which is how do I really experience God's freedom so that then I can give it away to others. Those three are the ones that we have ready to go right now. You can check it out at redletterchallenge.com slash church. Again, if you're a pastor and you want a free copy, we'd be happy to mail you one if you're in the United States. We have partnered with more than 800 churches to lead 40-day challenges and seen God do incredible things. So as you plan for the end of this fall, or how about this, as you start the new year or get into the Lent season, we would love to partner with you. And we have some amazing deals with our ready-to-go church packs. So grab one of those. And if you haven't seen a copy, want a copy, want to feel it, want to touch it, we will send it to you. You can find out about all of our 40-day challenges and what it can do for your church at redletterchallenge.com slash church. All right, here we go. Myron Pierce, let's do this. All right, on the Red Letter Disciple, you heard it in the intro. We are joined with the incredible Myron Pierce here in studio in Omaha, Nebraska. And I'm so excited to have him. Myron does a lot of things. <laughs> He's a, a pastor, a serial entrepreneur. He's got an incredible story. He's a father. He's an author. He's a podcaster. He's a leader. All of that. Okay, you can stop right there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you pull it off. And uh, hey, we were supposed to be joined by Chris Johnson, but he had some technical issues from Florida. So it's just me and Myron here today holding down the floor. We're going to have a great conversation. So welcome to the Red Letter Disciple, Myron. Appreciate it. Happy to have you, man. Thanks. And it's good and to be here. Yeah. Love uh, getting to know you a little bit so far. And, and I'm going to love for our audience to hear your story. Because uh, I think it's so awesome. So I'd love for you, Dia, to kind of just start start from the beginning and 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 talk about your your because it's such a powerful story. So talk about your childhood and and how you got. I want to eventually get to where you are today, but sure. I, I want to go through some some big things that happened. And so yeah, tell me a little bit about how you grew up. So yeah, I think like every inner city kid, we want to make it to the NBA <laughs> or become the next Lil Wayne or something like that. But obviously that. We're not in the cards for me. Um, but yeah, man, I grew up in a single parent home, man. My mama was on drugs and 
you know, in, in lifestyles that she had to uh, pay the bills for the family. Dad was never around because, you know, he was on heroin. Mm. Right. And so, you know, being on heroin in and out of jail, in and out of institutions, and then seeing the domestic violence growing up, growing up in drug and gang culture, yeah. you know, gangs hit the hit the eighties here, uh, you know, from California and with the drugs came the gangs and then with the gangs come the, mm. you know, endless cycles of incarceration. So by the time I was just a teenager, early, early teenager, I was in and out of jail. Yeah. Uh, and until I ultimately at the age of 16, I'm facing a hundred years in the penitentiary. Jeez. Right. And so it was, it was in those times I would, uh, go to chapel or the chaplain would come to, yeah come to the jail, you know, and, uh, I would just kind of sit way in the back and I would hear God has a plan, but I couldn't <laughs> reconcile number one, who God yeah. was because I didn't grow up sure. in church. I grew up in the streets. And so, uh, but you know, at any rate, we know that the gospel is the gospel. And so it just, you know, God was doing something in my heart. And so eventually went to prison as a yeah. teenager and, uh, got out and was out for about five months. And, okay went right back and here I am facing the 200 year sentence. Wow. You know, at the age of 18, 19. Yeah. And so it was in that moment where I had to make a decision while I had got booked into the Douglas County police department. Um, you know, God, if you're real change me, mm. uh, if you do, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Wow. And that was 20 years ago this year. Okay. In a jail cell. Yeah. And that's when, the journey of truly walking with Jesus yeah. became a reality. And I think, so what's hard for me is the, probably the only similarity that I can have in your story is I wanted to be in the NBA when I grew up, <laughs> but it's not in the cards, right? right I was right. like super tiny as a kid. I, I grew up in Memphis in my early childhood and I just wanted to be like Anthony Penny Hart. He was my hero. Oh, Penny, Penny Hardaway, Hardaway man. <laughs> so he oh, was my God. hero. I went to his basketball camp, got his autograph because he went to school in Memphis and like, ah, that's what I wanted to be. Had the little, little Penny. And he's know, a poster. coach now. I know of Memphis. Which yeah. Is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Anyway, that's the similarity. But like from there, it, it's so different for me because I grew up and part of my story is a fourth generation Lutheran pastor. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm, I'm, I'm living in this legacy that I actually feel like, you know, my great grandpa, who I never met, made decisions uh, 100 years ago mm. that I'm still having ripple effects, that I'm benefiting from the ripple effects. And so that's why I love talking to someone like you, because it's a completely different perspective. Mm. Um, but you have the opportunity through what you're doing, to create ripple effects right. down the line, not only in family, but with, with your, your, your community. And so 200 years uh, sentence, when, when, when you hear that, what, what goes on? What's in your going mind? through my mind? Yeah, because to so, me that to me, I, if I hear that, that's like okay, life's yeah. over. I'm done. Yeah. What's what's going through my mind as I'm leaving the courtroom? Number one, you can't even. You can't. I couldn't even. That didn't. I couldn't even. It, it couldn't register. It didn't mm -hmm. register. Only thing I knew wow. is that when I'm standing before the judge for sentencing, and a whole lot happened between the day I got arrested and sentencing that God did, but hearing. From the judge, young man, today I'm going to make an example out of you. Yeah. And having mom in the courtroom, my daughter at the time, you know, my daughter in the courtroom, siblings, and to get a 14 to 30 year sentence plus the two to three year sentence I wasn't done with because I was on parole and walking out with a 16 to 33 year sentence. Okay. 
really sent me in a tailspin. But as I'm leaving the courtroom, I hear the whisper. I hear the whisper from God. Wow. And I heard, and this was the, the, whisper? the whisper is, I'm going to get you out of prison and you're going to be a pastor. Hmm. That's cool. I'm shackled from head to toe, like the Snoop, that Snoop Dogg song. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm walking out and I hear that voice. And then ultimately they send me to send me to prison. Uh, but I, I left the jail on to on my way to prison with a promise from God. Wow. And 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 so I think the time in prison was God teaching me faith because I think most people think they have faith. But um, I yeah. think real faith can only be tried in the fire. That's good for us to to yeah. really see it. And and God used those years yeah. in the wilderness to refine me, wow. to prepare me, to send me back to where I was from. Yeah. So what ought to have been 200, the judge, in some way, it gives a lot of grace, 16 to 33. And, and so, okay, at least there's some semblance, but then hearing that whisper, I'm going to get you out. Um, and, and one day you're going to be a pastor. Okay. So walk me through those, those years in prison. What's that like? Uh, Cause I mean, I, we, so when I <laughs> watch the shows, the, the movies, Shawshank Redemption, I mean, that's a, my favorite movie, right? Uh, you know, yeah. You know, so tell um, me, wait, what's that, what's that like though? Cause so some of it's real, some of it's just to get you to view it. But uh, when I first hit the prison, now I hit juvie prison, which okay. was a little, you know, which was just a bunch of young gangbangers locked up. Yeah. You know? um, but when you hit the, when you hit, when you hit the yard, uh, there are a lot of assumptions, a lot of fears. Mm. And so I get there day one and I'm walking in the chow hall and all I hear is fresh meat. Like, and I'm Jeez. thinking I'm a new, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. So how do I reconcile being a Christ follower in a prison culture? Yeah. Right. And so I'm in the, I'm in the line and I, I walk in and, and, and the people behind, behind the serving line ask me, Hey, what, what cell are you in? And I tell them what cell I'm in. All of, all of a sudden their eyes got big mm. and I'm, and I'm like, Oh crap. Does that mean, right. Yeah. Does that mean something that they're so, like, you're yeah. in the, you're in the room with so-and-so uh, you don't want to be in the room with so-and-so because so-and-so didn't have a good reputation. And there's a lot of things that happen behind prison. And so I legitly slept with my pants on my clothes on for 30 days straight because yeah. I was scared out of my mind. I'm just this young kid yeah. who's now saved and God even eventually used that Oh, you're in the room with so-and-so to actually lead this man to Jesus, mm. faith in Christ. And so there were instances like that. Second day I got there is another gentleman where I'm mm -hmm. from, uh, older gentleman who, who helped pioneer whole gang culture where I'm from. And, uh, you know, I went up to him and it, we had a conversation and ultimately I looked him in his eye, you know, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm following Jesus now. And he kind of looks at me and lets that set in. This is a guy who prays to the crypt God. Okay. He looks at me and he says, okay, if you're going to be with that Jesus guy, be with him. But if you're going to be with this life, be with that. And he walked away. And that was a defining moment for me mm. in my early um, walks with Jesus, because to say, you know, you're going to walk with Jesus, but then leave gang culture and drugs and yeah. leave that life behind ultimately sometimes brings consequences to sure. that depending on your context. And so those were formidable years for me where God was forming in me the ability to like draw the line between the world and the kingdom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, 
He did. That's amazing. Yeah, he did. Cool. All right, so my hey, Chris Johnson actually got his tech stuff to work, oh. so he's going to join us in this. Love it, love it. Come on <laughs> and, in. And so, yeah, yeah, come on in, Chris. Uh, Chris, hey. we're talking to Byron about uh, his life and and uh, where he's where he's been, and so he's in the middle of telling us this awesome, awesome story of how God's God's got him out of prison, and so. Uh, Myron, I want to hear then uh, a little bit of like who it was specifically that that reached out to you uh, while you were in prison that that sort of made a difference in your life. Yeah, big shout out to Prison Fellowship. Um, they were instrumental. There were several really lay people mm -hmm. uh, from churches that would come in consistently. There's, these were people who maybe didn't have titles in their church, but would come to the prison consistently. I think of uh, people like Art Lindsay or, you know, Pastor Tommy or uh, all these individuals, but more than the ones who came from the outside, God yeah. actually used the ones on the inside. Wow. And so there was a gentleman there uh, with a life plus 60 sentence. Um, at the time when I had arrived, he had already, you know, spent 20 years. So he he's probably been in for now 40 years yeah. or so now. And uh, he would sit down with me every day and disciple me and pour his life into me. And he'd respond. He'd say this. He said, Myron, you know, I'm a missionary. Yeah. I'll die on this mission field. But I want to make sure you live on the next. Cool. And wow. it was those years. And when, as I transitioned uh, out of prison, he sat me down. He turned me to the book of John. And we started talking about the vine. And he says, yeah. You have to stay connected to the vine. And I believe that, uh, you know, you see great highlights like the great Mike Tyson or the right. great Bud Crawford, but we never see the people behind the scene. Mm. And he was the was the custom model that I needed yeah. um, to to make it on this side, man. And, and I'm so grateful that God would bless me uh, with this man of God. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And so I, I know that, you know, everybody has different types of ministry or, or different ways that we walk out as disciples and, you know, make our influence in this world. Um, Chris, I, I know you've talked about prison ministry before and how, how difficult that is for you. Um, why, why is it difficult for you? And, and cause it, I want to hear your answer, but then I also like, we can see the impact that it, that it's had on someone like Myron. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so how can we, as, uh, you know, disciples, embrace this more. So first and foremost, Myron, uh, I applaud uh, your story and what you do. Uh, just a quick background. I was a young pastor and I had a phone call once that um, really shook me up. A man had killed his mom mm. and he wanted me to come talk to him in prison. And I remember driving the 60 miles to that prison and thinking and praying Oh my God, I have no idea what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do. I knew the lady that he had murdered and I was mad. I was mm. angry. Um, I couldn't understand it. And then yeah. I get in and everything about prison ministry is so intimidating. It's like uh, it, nobody wants to be in prison and the, the guards didn't seem to want to work there. It was dirty. It was tough. It was like a Walmart that you couldn't get out of. Like, uh, it was just like so bad, man. And I remember sitting down at that table and he sat yeah. down with me and I was scared, man. Like mm -hmm. I, I got back after that trip 
And I said, I'll do a thousand hospital visits if I never have to go back to another prison. Like it just freaked me out. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering, Myron, like what kind of advice can you give to a chicken like me or maybe other pastors who go into prison ministry and they're just, well, you know, they get that phone call and, and I don't even know if I did anything good during that whole visit. Mm. I think good. I think context and history can develop a sense of empathy. Mm. Uh, context is the birth of the penal system comes off directly from the plantation. Mm -hmm. You know, 13th Amendment that, you know, mass incarceration is the new. Yeah. Is the new plantation. And so mm -hmm. when you see the effects of how that has absolutely traumatically impacted inner cities like ours. Yeah. We start to see that why why are why are there cycles of people going to prison? Well, we've disenfranchised a group of people who never had an advantage in life mm -hmm. in this country. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're obviously getting better. And yet seeing the call of the Matthew 25 mandate yeah. um, because we often hear people say, well, I don't know if I can be effective or I'm, sure. I'm not this and I'm not that. But I recognize that Jesus made it so simple. He says, when I was in prison, you preached to me. Hmm. Nope. When I was in prison, <laughs> you gave me money. Nope. When I was in prison, you sent me a letter. Nope. The verb there is simple. Visited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I visit it and I, and I, and I think um, it's gold because some of the greatest prisoners are theologians, the apostle Paul. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So I, th but it, it can be, I just, I just left the Nebraska state prison uh, last week yeah. and, I it, and I agree with you. I was freaked out. And, and for clarity on the other side, yes, <laughs> this time and anxious, <laughs> I'm walking in yeah. anxious and I'm recognizing that yeah. being in prison affected me in a way yeah, still sure. that psychologically I'm trying to process. Wow. <laughs> and yet I get out there and stand before my brothers and I say, hey, I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. And I'm here to let you know what God meant for e what, what the mm. enemy meant for evil. God meant for for good. And so, um, and then you look at Hebrews and it says this, and it's always convicting, even for me still. He says, you know, to remember those who are imprisoned as if you were chained with them. Mm -hmm. So in one, in one instance, he said at the very minimum visited, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get over here and then he says, remember as if you were chained with them. And so the Hebrew writer talks, what he's talking about, there's empathy, yeah. But he said, remember, which means I have to go back historically to look at what led up to where people have ended up. And it doesn't mean that people behind bars were not. It doesn't mean that we are we're not supposed to take responsibility. Sure. It doesn't mean that we don't recognize our civic duty to be law abiding citizens. It just simply means that we didn't get here by ourselves, yeah. Right. And with that understanding it could give us a little bit of empathy, therefore yeah. dealing with people, you know, in a way that's humane. So I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. And yeah. I, th yeah, I think, so what I'm hearing in that is, is not only that, that we have a history, uh, historical decisions that have been made, 
uh, that we that we should look at and we should understand. But then there's also the individual story. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the empathy can come from. And I shared earlier, like, that's just, you just had a different upbringing than I did. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and, and that matters, like what you come from matters. It, it, it the people that are around you, uh, you know, they absolutely play a role in it. And, and so I love, I love now because you fast forwarded about last week that now you're speaking to those in prison. Um, I think actually the thing I saw on maybe Facebook a couple of weeks ago from you, I think you were speaking for the G- at the Global Leadership Summit for yeah, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. And so I saw a thing that said that the message you were giving was going to be broadcast to 200 prisons, and I was like, that's so wow. cool. He once had a 200 year sentence, and now he's oh, speaking wow. to 200 prisons. And it that reminded right me, and so as a preacher, I'm, I'm going to preach for one yeah. minute. And I'm <laughs> Go ahead. It yeah. reminded me, since you went there, Myron, of the Apostle Paul, who was in chains, who yeah. was in prison, and he wrote this book to the Philippians while he was in prison. Mm-hmm. And it, it mm-hmm. would have been, could have been, should have been really easy for Paul to write, hey, guys, this sucks. I'm doing everything yeah. right for God, mm-hmm. and here I am. The food sucks. The guard right. smells. <laughs> um, and I think we'd all been like, cool, man, we'll pray for you. That does right. suck. Right. Yet he's writing about joy, joy. and he's mm. writing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens man. me and all these things. And so mm. what, what he did and what you do is he took a prison sentence right. and he flipped it. And now he's writing sentences from prison. Come on, yeah. somebody. Now helping us today. Come and on, that's man. what I see in you. But, you flip the sentence of 200 years and now you're yeah. speaking to 200 prisons in one message. And, and think about this. Dude. Like, he, in order for him to arrive at the conclusion in chapter four of Philippians yeah. that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he actually had to have experienced something that can validate that conclusion. Yeah. And so I, I, I connect with that so much because that's what like when I talk about how I had to I had to learn faith in that mm-hmm. so that I can arrive at the end and say, man, I survived prison by the grace of God. I done seen people stabbed. I done seen people die. I done seen like I done seen gang riots break out. I done seen race wars happen in prison. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God, I made it all the way through that. It has to be for a purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in fact, I was reading the purpose driven life when I was in prison <laughs> and I had awesome. this crazy say moment that solidified that promise he made me wow. when I was leaving the 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 um, courtroom, and 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 I heard this, Myron. Your purpose is bigger than your prison, mm. and that message has stayed with me yeah. for twenty years. Cool. All right. So you 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 have this sentence mm. on the that, that gets reduced. Then on the way out, then you hear God's whisper. Yeah. Uh, you go through that terrifying first night, first month. Uh, start acclimating, uh, prison fellowship comes in, you get individuals that speak into your life from the outside, also those from the inside. God changes you while you're there. Um, and I remember we talked a little bit uh, last time we talked about how then you you went to work, man, and you were kind of pastoring and like leading small small groups in prison. Tell, so tell me then, yeah, so so walk <laughs> me through the rest of the years of prison till till you got wait, out. Wait. You had 200 years and it got reduced? I was 200 years? 200 years. And then I was out of that 200 years sentenced to 14 to 30 years plus the previous sentence that I had to finish, which ended up giving me the 16 to 33 years. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did you serve? Without parole. I was supposed to serve from 2000 all the way to 2019. Yeah. Um, But the law changed in my favor. That's how I got out. (laughs) 
Yeah. So talk to us about. So it. seven months after I got sentenced, yep. the law changed. Okay. They sent me a letter and said, "Hey, we're sorry. We, we're sorry, but we just want to let you know that law changed. LB is three sixty five. I never heard that in my life. Never heard anything in my life where you would change the law in favor of somebody who broke it again. But their words were, we're sorry? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, that's why are, you, why are you sorry? That's I good know, for me. <laughs> we're like they were like, we're here to, what they said was, we're, we want to, my peer is five, five zero and I, we want to inform you yeah. that, you know, we, your LB365, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gave me a new, it gave me a parole date because the, the, the caveat was I didn't have a parole date. That's mm. why I had to do the whole time, right? Mm. Seven months later, that law changed. And I don't, years later, I ended up getting out of prison. There was a lot of things that happened. My case manager yeah. came to me and said, hey, we don't care about the law changing. Uh, we're going to make sure you're going to do the full, you're going to do this full time. You know, yeah. we're tired of you young gangbangers. Mm. And uh, God had something else in mind. I went to my, my cell and I prayed. I said, God, would you either re- remove this guy so that your plans can be, mm-hmm. you know, go through? Or would you promote him? I don't care, whatever, which one you want to do, right? <laughs> Just and, get him out of my life. <laughs> and, and, and guess what? The guy got promoted. Right? Nice. And, and so that happened a couple of different times. Yeah. And I believe um, it wasn't about the miracles. It was about the faith that he was building in me through his word. Right. And so eventually, man, like God started, I started just discipling people. It was the passion. It was like, yeah. but, but gangs taught me how to disciple people. Mm. Tell me about that. I want to hear that. Yeah. This, if for pastors, churches, ministry leaders, organizational leaders, like if you want to learn how to make disciples, you have to learn from gangbangers huh. because like we understand mission. Okay. We understand who we work for. We understand the goals and objectives of our mission. We understand culture building, recruiting, mm. leadership development, and multiplication. Or probably over five thousand gang members right now in Omaha, Nebraska. Right, like so. So all those things um, didn't go on the back burner when I became a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is what you do. You do life with people. You give them a name. You give them goals. You hold them accountable, right? All in the context of life and relationship. Yeah. Right. And so I appropriated that same thing. In fact, I just, I was at Home Depot today. Again, had one of my guys with me who I'm discipling. We're opening up some stuff. And uh, I, I, a guy came up behind me. He's like, hey, what's up, Myron? I say, I look around and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And, and uh, we talk. And then after the guy leaves, I tell the guy I'm discipling, hey, you, you want to know how I met this guy? And he's like, yeah. I say, well, he put a gun in my face over 20 years ago and almost killed me. And this same guy who put the gun in my face was one of the first dudes I met when I was in prison. And he walked up to me and said, hey, do you remember me? Mm. And I said, no, I don't remember you. And he said, I'm the guy that robs you. Hmm. And I'm looking at him in his face right there. I put my hand on his shoulder and said, man, I forgive you. Wow. And this is in the middle of prison. And so my young disciple guy is is now because he had only heard. He, I would tell him stories about this, but then he ends up meeting the guy in Home Depot. <laughs> Right. And then this guy is like saying, Myron, you the truth. He said, man, what you I'm hearing about you, what you doing in our community. And so that's how thing we talk about evangelism. Evangelism is when people can talk about your it's, it, it, listen. Sometimes I don't sometimes I don't need to open my mouth for evangelism. Yeah. I just need to actually do the work so that people can open their mouth for me. Hmm. And then hmm. when people open their mouth for me, my reputation precedes me. Hmm. 
And as it perceives me, it gives me authority and credibility to speak into people's lives who actually need to know and understand the gospel yeah. that we preach. That right there will preach. Yeah. yeah. That right there will preach. That young disciple that is with you all of a sudden sees this moment and he's like, okay. It was a powerful the real, the moment. real deal here. And, and yeah, that's so, so cool. Did you get what you needed to at Home Depot? I did actually. <laughs> More than what I should pay for. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So then you're leading and, and that's what I think is, is fascinating. So taking the stuff of our past, uh, and, and though at one time it was, you know, used in a negative context, how can we take all the good things in the gang culture that was in your past and now use it in your, in your future. And so, uh, I, I've seen you do this. So you started small groups, uh, you know, and, and you started discipling people in, in, in prison, and then you got out and you became a pastor, right? Yeah, so a man named Ron Dosler took a chance yeah. on me. And I, anytime I have an opportunity like this, I always give him his flowers before he dies, <laughs> you know, because other people didn't take a chance on me. Sure. There were other organizations who decided that their policies and procedures were going to be the deciding factor versus taking a chance on me. And he, I was had gone to college, I was in work release, and he met me at the Grace University campus, RIP Grace University, and uh, and he sat and he sat across from me and just asked me my story. Had no idea he was interviewing me. Two weeks previous, <laughs> two weeks previous from meeting me, he's in a he's in Kansas City at an event listening to a dude named Osco, and he and, and Ron praised this small prayer. God send me somebody like Osco for North Omaha. Mm. And so two weeks later, I was introduced to him by my now wife who interned at Compass Ministries Come on. that started by Christ Community, of which now I'm a teaching pastor on their, on their wow. church. Like, wow. so the way that God does this, and then I come on staff at a buy network, I get out August 2008, three months from when I get out, we plant Bridge Church in the same neighborhood I was a gangbanger in. You can't make Whoa. this. So wow, that's amazing, man. Just yeah. power. And then all these kids from North Omaha, you know, uh, largest youth group, not not even youth group, largest disciple youth disciple movement in North Omaha at the time. Yeah, there was nothing like it. So, so what I love is someone, and I think that's good for all of us to hear. Is like we know the history, we know the story, um, but we also don't get limited so, sometimes by policies and procedures. Um, and, and just that we, we, we are people that give grace. We are people that give second chances, third chances, infinite chances. And Ron did that for you. We had, we had Josh on the show. And That's my one. brother. Yeah, I think it's yeah. episode 10, I want to say. I'm his big brother. Uh, so yeah. Josh and the Dotzler, Ron is uh, Josh's father. Um, and so they really practice what they preach. And so mm. I think that's really, really awesome. And so now you start this church, you're pastoring. Um, but, but truthfully, and I think that this is where we're similarly wired, is that we love the kingdom of God. We love the local church, but we're also both super entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And so I see that in you. And so uh, talk to me about what you're doing now um, to help entrepreneurs, uh, specifically in the, the black community. The largest missional and entrepreneurial incubator on the planet is the local church. Okay. Tell me more. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> well, um, planting in urban, urban centers are oftentimes um, challenging, obviously. And what I realized that if we were going to be a, a entree church, if we were going to be 
um, we, we had to allow entrepreneurship to be a billboard or a Facebook post, if you will, for the culture, because the fastest way to stop a bullet is to help a person mm. launch a business. Mm. And so internally in our leadership structure, I said, I, I wanted to make sure that that every person on our team uh, cultivated their entrepreneurial side so that they're not also putting energy in our church without putting food on their table. I wanted to help them. Ecclesiastes 11 to move towards building seven streams of income because King Solomon said build six, seven or even eight streams because you don't even know when the day of destruction is coming. Mm. And that day of destruction came after COVID when we had sure. to tell our whole staff that no one on our staff can can re no one's getting paid, mm. you know, but, you know, because of that, 90 percent of our team are all entrepreneurs. And what does that do for them? It creates a stream of income, but it also their businesses are now missional fields where they're serving the broader community. And now they're mobilized to be all that God wants them to be. And now it's like we're building their thing and not my thing. Yeah. So Mission Church now is a hub for entrepreneurial missionary apostolic leaders who say i have a dream from god my number one goal now is to say how can i support you yeah and we truly want to be as a church uh, a church that saturates every inner city with diverse hope filled missionaries and kingdoms and kingdom expression that's the overall goal and we've recognized that the best way to enter into an inner city context is to meet the needs yeah. of ownership because black america is a a, a nation of renters mm. right yeah and so it becomes good gospel to say give a man a fish you feed him for a day teach him how to fish you feed him for a life we say no actually show him how to own the pond yep and so we're using <laughs> this idea of own the pond as yes a redemptive opportunity for people to discover christ but also an opportunity for people to grow in their ownership of their future so that they have more options beyond themselves. Even to, I like to tell our people, I want you to think 200 years out mm. because what you're building isn't for you, it's for them. Yeah. Right. And so now we've built a brand in our community of own the pond of which we've now um, you know, the whole goal behind that was like, what if we can shift? This is how it all started. What if we can shift North Omaha, 10% of North Omaha to an entrepreneurial mindset, mm. 70,000 people. What if, what if 7,000 people in 10 years shifted? Right. And we started that three years ago, shift Omaha, 1.5 million in revenue, over 40 different entrepreneurs have, have gone through our process together awesome. where we've journeyed and everyone who, you know, goes through that get to touch, feel, experience, and walk with people who love Jesus, who have been trained by me. Mm. Right. And so, and so it's, it's, I mean, God is doing so much. And through that, this ecosystem that we're building, we've launched things like a content platform for young, young entrepreneurs in our community to consume and grow and be resource. Everything like from a podcast, we just launched the Own the Pond Summit. Yeah. Next month, we're opening the Own the Pond Business Center cool. where entrepreneurs can get co-working space, business coaching, um, financial services. We have all kind of organizations inside and outside our community. Yeah. It's going to be a hub of activity that's going to blow the hinges off of hell, man. 
<laughs> I love blow the hinge. <laughs> That's really good. I'm a preacher. I know. <laughs> well, I said in your body like 18 different things. That's yeah. what's amazing. Gosh. Oh man. That's, that's so cool. So tell me a couple of examples um, of how the, the ministry, the church, uh, your church has, is now with the entrepreneurial side help. Like, what does that look like? How does that practically play out? When we originally planted Mission Church, um, which we've planted tons of churches over the last five years, um, the, the strategy was, you know, like the way that we impact gonna, it will be kind of a, a quadrant. Yeah. Number one, we're going to focus on reentry and, um, you know, giving people transitional homes, yeah. places to live. Second was the next generation. We're going to partner with the local school. You know, thirdly, we're going to have community engaging events where we can build relationship. And then the fourth quadrant was entrepreneurship. OK. Right. And that's how we started our entrepreneurship incubator. It's kind of how it began. But over time, it began to evolve into something even bigger, which then out, out of that came the own the pond message. But we just started with saying, hey, let's start an incubator. Mm -hmm. And so God kept giving us more vision. But we had only saw this little microscopic thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then at the center of all that impact is training. So missionary training is huge for us. And we've helped launch all kind of kingdom expressions because mm -hmm. we said if it's if we're going to reach the inner city it's going to take all type of missions and ministries to make it happen mm -hmm. and we can't put a cap on what we customarily call church planting mm. yeah yeah man. cool so I, I just get excited talking about and, it. and i think you were telling me about a couple of people in your church that are actually not doing entrepreneurial things oh my right? gosh man so um for example the, the guy i'm discipling now and in, in true decide if it's not discipleship if you don't see that person as a son or a daughter it's not. Yeah. It's 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 not discipleship. It's transaction. Mm. If I can't see this person as my son, my daughter, mm. or my brother, it's not discipleship. Yeah. Right. Because that's a different level. And so, at age three, his dad murdered his mom. So he, so he has no dad and he has no mom. Mm. Dad gets off on a technical a technical error in wow. the court of law and goes free me. So he grows up unnurtured, grows up without a father figure left to the streets, prominent gangbanger has a inner, has a, you know, years down the line has this powerful encounter with Jesus. We end up meeting and we start our friendship. Cool. And, uh, out of that, uh, you know, two years ago, he came to me and he said, Hey man, um, I want to start a business. I said, no, you don't. So we got into an argument. Right? <laughs> I said, okay, fire your boss today. Yeah. He said, I can't do that. I said, goodbye. I got up and walked away. I did a Jesus. I just walked away. From <laughs> I'm like, okay, you don't really want this. So we didn't talk for a whole year. Okay. Whoa. Yeah, I was that serious. And after a year, he came back. He said, I'm ready to fire my boss. I said, my boy, let's do it. And so now today he's replaced his salary and he has so much work, it's time for him to scale into a part-time position um, for to be filled. And so now he's moving into employing people cool. from North Omaha. Yeah. And he loves Jesus. And he's a good dad. <laughs> and he's making disciples himself after this. You know, you know, so it's yeah. just I we could spend three days filming yeah. about just stories. Yeah. 
you know, of what God is doing in the inner city. And it gives me hope. Sure. Do that, it. You know, you know what I mean? It gives me we hope. We need to that. see those videos, man. You know what I know, man. And so now we're saying, okay, let's do this. The vision is always, let's do this in every inner city. Yeah. Now we have a verified way to start a new work in every inner city. Yeah. It's through entrepreneurship. And so now we have Selma, who's taking our training. We have Kansas City. Uh, we have St. Louis. We have... Sioux Falls, um, Sioux, Sioux Falls. Yeah. Um, and then next year, uh, I think it's, uh, we have Tampa. And so, uh, we're looking forward to starting shifts all in those areas. So, um, uh, what would be awesome is if we could start a shift in every major inner city. So if someone's interested, like where, where would they get that training? Yeah. So, or they, so, yeah. So if somebody's listening and say, Hey man, I want to open an incubator in my, my inner city, or you might say maybe you're a rural pastor or a church leader. Yeah. This, this works there. Or maybe you say, you know what? I want to capture the next generation through entrepreneurship because they're already becoming influencers. Doesn't okay. matter your context. So they can go to Myron pierce.courses and uh go to uh how to start a how to start an incubator and uh for this you know for this podcast we'll do you know red letter challenge as the promo code nice. and they can download it for free take you know take the take the training um and then if they need any additional help come holler at me i'm willing to coach i'm willing to come set up a rhythm to to launch these across uh, cities in in America. That's cool. And we got show notes. So we'll put all the, all the details in the show notes for that, that that's incredible. So, and I, and I do want to like, I want to do everything that I can, you know, I don't know if you can tell I'm white Myron. What? 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 Um, Even in Florida, I mean, it doesn't catch any sun. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but, but like, I'm passionate about fighting against racism, against injustice. I recognize that, you know, even if the country is trending in the right direction, that that it, it, it's not an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's still a lot of work to do. Se- yeah. Centuries of oppression doesn't flip overnight. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I want to do my part, but I don't always know what to do. Like, even when I came to Omaha, I was like, I listened to some other podcasts. And I was like, put your money in, in black owned b- banking. And I was like, cool, I'll do that. When I moved to the city, I got to find a new bank. And I was looking, and I was like, there's n- not one in Omaha, and I don't mind paying a cost. We're like, working on one. Yeah, but uh, but it's but it's hundreds of miles. Like if I have yeah. to drive an hour, because you can do most of it online these days. If I got to drive an hour three or four times a year, that are the rare times. I, but like it's hundreds of miles away, right. so I can't. But we're I, working on one. Good. So so what can I? What can? <laughs> here's my question. What can a white guy like me yeah. and a whiter guy like Chris? Um, <laughs> what can we do? How how can so, we play our part? So much. So listen. Oh, yeah. I, I, we we put on the on the pond summit. Right. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and it, it costed about thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. Ninety nine percent of that thirty thousand came from somebody who looked like you. So so here are two things, two things that are most important if we're going to change the trajectory of black America. Capital mm-hmm. and social capital. Okay. Social capital is always first so that we don't get into relationship where there where it's inequity because mm. you've given me money. Right. So when we start with saying the first thing you can do, you and I can do is we have to be better friends. Yeah. Because if you trust me and I trust you, then you can trust who you refer me to. You can trust when I say, hey, um, we're opening up a business center and we need about $50,000 to renovate it. Yeah. All of a sudden, you trust my heart 
because we spent time together, social, yep. now capital, right? Yep. And now all of a sudden, it's not just the capital you give, but it's the relationship we've built. We've built relational equity, right? And so at a, at a fundamental grassroots level, I think the more interested we become in one another and building friendship, then we can say, hey, Myron, tell me about the vision you have. Yeah. Like what's 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 the next step? So all of a sudden we say, OK, hey, hey, bro, like we have the we have the mentorship aspect of our shift Omaha program. Come down and do um, a, a one hour mentoring session on launching a podcast that scales your brand. Mm-hmm. Boom. Now you're now the, the I'm, we're reciproc- I'm reciprocating the relationship by now giving helping you get social capital in my hood. Cool. Yeah. Mm. You feel me? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I want to I want to I want to jump in because I think part of like my issue or ha- have had this issue a little bit in the past is like uh, build relationship, build friendships. But that's not supernatural. Um for me, who, who lives out in West O, mm-hmm. to build a relationship with someone in North O. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I think I'm hearing from you is, it, it because the last thing I want, I'll just say this, the last thing I want is to make uh, my attempts at this, to make anyone in the black community feel like a project or um, to feel like a, a problem that I'm trying to solve. Right. Because that's just, I don't like that mentality. Um, but the more I'm hearing is, is, tell me if I'm right, can we work on a Sometimes rather than just, I want to build a friendship, can we work on a project together? Mm-hmm. Is that what builds relationship or what builds friendship? So, or what so would you- I'll say here's what, what builds friendship. Um, let's go golf together. Mm. And, and, and do you like, play golf? I do. Okay, well, yeah, there I do. you go. I didn't say I was good. I didn't say I was good. Zach's but, not either. Yeah, but but so it's, it's, it's now, I'm glad you said that. Um, a lot of people are project minded. Mm. So let's build our friendship on vision. Yeah. That, Hey, God is doing something bigger than both of us. And it requires both of us. Cool. And that's the reality. Yeah. Like it really does. There's no way I can do what I do. There's no way I can have vision to open a black bank without, without knowing that I have some friends in there with me who would agree with me that God would do something and that you'd open doors that I couldn't actually get in by myself. Yeah. Mm. Cause there are doors that you have and friendship that you have. There's no way I can get to those. Yeah. You can say, Hey, Marie, I know somebody who actually owns a bank. Oh, wow. I need to go learn from them. Yeah. Let's set up coffee and we'll go together. And now you're using your social capital to advance the vision that God gave us. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I, I think, it's yes, we, we have some things ahead of us in terms of what we want to accomplish. But along the way, let's make sure that as we accomplish it, we're building friendship mm. because because that's the only thing that's going to survive this this part. of Like the reality is, yes, if we build a when we build a bank. Cool. But at some point we leave in this earth and the most valuable thing will be our friendship in heaven. Mm. The most valuable thing will be our relationship. Right. Wow. And, and so that's what I've learned. And and I, and there are some some leaders in my life that we have done it well. Doesn't mean that we haven't had um, there has been bumps in the roads, but I can w- go over to a friend and walk in their Fortune 500 company and, and go straight to his office door and knock on and sit down and kick my feet up. Why? Because we boys. Mm. That's my homie. That's my guy. Yeah. And, and it's and it's not a one way relationship. Yeah. I have so much to offer the white community. Yeah. But until the white community or when and if the white community and I'm just, I'm not just overgeneralizing, sure. it's like whoever it's like until let me tell you a story. My friend, 
um, has an elder he was in a conversation with and his elder leads a diverse church. And he looks over and he says, man, I wish that my church was as diverse as yours is. I want a diverse church. And his, his oversight overseer looks at him and says, you don't want a diverse church. So they get into an argument, <laughs> you know, and he's like, what do you mean? I don't want to. Yes, I do. And he says, no, no, you don't. Can I tell you why? He's like, hmm. yeah, tell me why. He says, until you're convinced that you need black people, your church will never be diverse. Mm. And that's the number one question that us as, as, as leaders um, who are the majority, what is it going to be? What is it going to take to be convinced that I need black people? Mm. Because mm. The reality is that realistically you don't, mm. you don't. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and that's, mm where we can begin to build and do something great. Man, that that was such an eye-opening conversation. Myron, I thank you. I could listen to you for literally hours. This is awesome to hear. Thank Man. you. And the goal of this podcast, we said at the beginning of all the intros, is that, that all of us would be challenged and grow as disciples in order that we collectively would be a greater, fuller, truer expression of Jesus. Good. And that doesn't happen when a bunch of white people Mm-hmm. <laughs> become mm-hmm. disciples it doesn't happen when a bunch of black people it happens when every tribe every nation yeah. every tongue because yeah. that's right. what heaven is that's heaven and, right. and, and i love and that's what i i envision what i hope is that we get to see glimpses of that here in this right like kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven and, and so we need one another mm. for the sole purpose of glorifying god Mm-hmm. And, and giving glimpses of what's mm-hmm. next. And man, I, this was, this was awesome, dude. So I, I, we, I hope we have a part two someday, man. I'm no kidding. It. So I've I got, love I got a question for you. We ask every guest and then Chris has got a little quick game for us today. That's right. Um, but the question we ask every guest, cause this is a podcast ultimately to challenge disciples wherever they are to grow. So if you could issue one challenge um, to our audience, to those that are listening or watching um, for them to practically grow in their discipleship this week, uh, what challenge are you going to throw down? I won't throw down the hope method. Okay. Simply this. I want you to, to yourself, because we can't disciple, we can't preach disciple making if we're not, you know? Yeah. Um, how much time am I, am I spending making disciples? Mm. Just a question. What percentage? Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it 1%? Is it 2%? Mm. Hmm. Is it three percent? Is it four percent? So you gotta you can't conquer what you don't confront. Okay. You can't confront what you don't identify. Let's identify it. Secondly, let's work the hope method. It's it's my disciple making fra- framework. H is hope. So you want to ask yourself every day, hey, how did I deal hope this today? Hmm. Yeah. How did I deal it? Secondly, open up God's word and read it. And then you're gonna ask yourself a head question. What does this say in two words? Yeah. Then you move to the heart question. Man, what is what's God saying to me? Number four is the is the 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 hand question. What does he want me to do with do do about it within the next thirty six, within the next mm. twenty four to thirty six hours? Mm. And then lastly, is help. What do what do I what what am I believing God for? What do I need prayer for? Yeah. And if you can practice those the hope method as a new rhythm then all of a sudden you'll look up and you'll see more generations of disciples making disciples that make disciples. Mm. 
Love it. All right. So if you take on the hope method this week, why don't you go ahead and throw on socials or if you're watching on YouTube, you can put in the comments below. Hashtag red letter disciple. Uh, that's awesome. And uh, Chris Johnson, I'm going to turn it over to you, buddy, yes. for uh, the, the game with Myron. What are we doing today? So, Myron, you are one of the greatest comeback stories in the Christian church. <laughs> I like your voice. <laughs> you are one of the greatest of all time. That's correct. 200 years, this guy. That's as old as Zach. That's how much time he was supposed to <laughs> spend in jail. But God had other plans, busted yeah. him out, started a church. Brings hope, ladies and gentlemen. I want to ask you a couple of questions. This is going to be two. Myron, I want to see if you can identify different greatest comeback stories of the the last hundred years. Here we go. Wow. Okay. I'm going to read you oh, somebody's man. story. All we'll right, see. Myron. I know what Chris is going to bring. We'll see what happens. This Let's person is a superstar turned actor who is worth millions of dollars, but... The story how he got there is not very well known. Tyler Perry. No, not yet. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. 1995, he had dreams of playing in the NFL. He was a defensive lineman for the Canadian Football League, Calgary Stampeders. But he struggled to even get playing time. Unsurprisingly, the Stampeders uh, released him. And that, for so he, he gave up his dream of the NBA or NFL. Shortly thereafter, Myron, he had to return home, and he only had $7 in his pocket. It wasn't long after moving back that this man developed severe depression and was wondering what the next chapter held. Ultimately, he turned toward pro wrestling. Through sheer perseverance, he molded himself into the, one of the most successful wrestlers of all time, and then the days of having only $7 to his name are way behind him. This man is now worth over $320 million and continues to make blockbuster films. Myron, who is this great comeback story? I was going to say Tiny Lister. Um, <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was going to say Tiny. Uh, if you smell what the rock <laughs> is cooking. I don't know. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, baby. Oh, the Rock. Oh, my God. I was going to say Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Ro I would pay to see Kevin Hart wrestle, by the way. Yes. The yeah, Rock, he would be good. At, yeah, it would be fun well, see, to see Kevin wrestle. I was Because the context of our conversation, I was thinking he was a black guy. So you got me, man. You got okay. Me. Okay. I got you. Um, well, here's a, here's the next one. The next okay, one. 50%. Let me get this. Yeah, one. you're going to get right. it. This is the last one. Up until 2008, this man had a completely spotless reputation. Companies begged him to be a sponsor of one of their products. On this course, um, on the course, he was known as a killer and would do whatever it takes to win. Off the course, he was seen as a shining knight who never made a false step in his personal life. However, that story vanished when he was caught cheating with 120 women during his five-year marriage. The world turned his the back on him. Over the next decade of his life, he would spend his time trying to get back to the sport that he loved, but he couldn't because of back injuries. And then he was found in a vehicle, passed out, and a survey conducted after the incident, 70% of PGA Tour players said he would never win another major tournament, but he proved them all wrong. Two years later, he won the 2019 Masters yeah. Tournament. I Who is this person? 
Tiger Woods. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Did you write Tiger all that Woods. yourself, buddy? <laughs> what? Did you write all that yourself? It's memorized. It's mean, the only thing I do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sit around writing stories for Myron. That's what oh, I'm that's doing. good, man. That's good. <laughs> my game. All right, Myron, this was so fun, man. And uh, if people want to learn more about you or how they can get connected to any of the million things that you do, yeah, uh, where can they find you these days? Depends on the purpose. <laughs> you want to know more about me? You can go to myronpierce.com. Want to know more about our church? This is mission.org. Or anything we're doing entrepreneurially, you can go to ownthepondnetwork.com. Love it. Love it. Hey, Myron, next time I'm in Omaha, I'm not kidding you. I want to go with you and overcome my fear of prison ministry. Is that okay? And then we got to go eat some fried chicken, bro. Yes, let's go. Amazing spot in North Omaha. Where? What is that? <laughs> Timeout chicken. Timeout chicken. Oh, it's from oh, heaven. Baby. Those birds come straight from heaven. <laughs> That's like manna. <laughs> I mean, we send them to heaven. We send them to heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Myron. Hey, thank you, man, for you're such a blessing yeah. to our audience. Thank and you, uh, just love Appreciate what you're doing you. and, and your story. So, you. all right, till next time. All right. What an incredible conversation with Myron. I think this shows and tells us that like nobody's story is ever over, right? God can rescue and God can do powerful things even in our lowest of places. Thanks, Myron, for being a part of the Red Letter Disciple. If you want to connect with Myron, any of the things he talked about, any of the links we shared, any any ideas that, man, Myron and his team can help you with as an entrepreneur, check out our show notes at redletterpodcast.com. We provide these every single episode, all the links, all the key insights, and even some not-so-key insights organized for you, redletterpodcast.com. Again, I want to thank today's sponsor, Red Letter Living. We've got a free 40-day challenge for a pastor church leader out there. You can go to redletterchallenge.com slash church to learn more about our 40-day challenge and how you can use those at your church. And if you've never gotten a copy of a book, we'd love to send you one. Seriously, our gift. All right, next week, we got Tony Morgan coming on to the show. Tony is another leader of leaders. Have you ever felt stuck in your faith? Or if you're a leader of a church, maybe stuck at your church? Tony founded, listen to this, the Unstuck Group, <laughs> which helps us get unstuck and move towards health over and over and over again. He's done this with churches and, and, and individuals. And his team does quarterly reports to see the latest trends going on in discipleship and in church. So we're going to find out what's encouraging, what's discouraging, what we can take from all of this. Don't miss Tony's episode next week. So how are you not going to miss it? Subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're on. And while you're there, if this episode's helpful or you think it could be for somebody else, if it challenged you at all, would you please leave a five-star rating? It seriously takes like less than two seconds to do it. And that would be like a really great thing for us. So I appreciate that. And if you want to write a review, that would also be awesome. So next Tuesday, we'll be back with Tony Morgan on The Red Letter Disciple. A Huda Media Production.